All right, welcome to the Point Forward Podcast with Mark Sonetto. I am here with Brant Wilkerson New of the News Record. We were at a, uh, what's what's this place called, Brant? Uh, uh, it's called Be Here. It's uh, the best little coffee shop in Durham. So. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, we're, we're here kind of on location, so if you hear some people in the background ordering food, whatever, um, you know, we wanted to kind of get together here and, and talk about you know, the college basketball season as it comes to an end. Um, Brent actually, you know, obviously spent some time covering, uh, you know, Duke and, and was it, is it only Duke or is it? Um, Duke, UNC, NC State. Um, I've done a little bit of UNCG. Haven't done any A&T, but I kind of keep my eyes open to, to most everything out there as, right. as a mid-major guy. Yeah. Um, and I also wanted, I mean, I wanted to have Brent on because I feel like he has a really good, you know, nuanced take about and not only just covering the big boys, but like he said, you know, UNCG. You went to UNC Wilmington, correct? I did. I was there for one of our tournament appearances while I was in school, and then a couple afterwards, I've made the long drive. <laughs> That's cool. Um, tell people where they can find your, you know, your stuff, where they can subscribe um, to any podcasts or writing that you do, um, and, we'll, and then we'll get into the rest of the day. Yeah, Greensboro News and Record, uh, greensboro.com, and you can find me on Twitter at brandgnr and across radio stations all over North Carolina and apparently soon to be London because I just got a request to talk about Zion Williamson over there. So if we have any fans in London, uh, feel free to check out whatever radio station that Brant's going to be on. Um, so tell me about your impression so far of the tournament. Um, you know, like, what, where do you feel like from selection to now we're at the Sweet 16? Just give kind of a, a 30,000 foot view. It's been a weird tournament because uh, we've kind of missed out on all the big upsets. We don't have a true Cinderella in the field other than Oregon. And I right. think you could consider them that, which is kind of strange considering where we are as in basketball with a little more um, parity. We're mid-majors are beginning to make a little bit more noise and win more of those games. So. But also, I'm not really totally surprised based on the fact that we kind of saw a clear delineation between maybe five or six teams that look like they could win the national championship throughout the season. And that's kind of holding true right now and probably add Michigan State to that mix because they looked pretty great lately. Do you think, I mean, is there something to that, like when you listen to either it's a Jay Billis or one of the you know the guys that are on Get Up this morning talk about like who can, who can win? Don't, don't you think that if, if you're in the Sweet 16 right now, you, I mean – Theoretically, anybody can get hot for the next four games. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but also, I think you kind of look at the there's some analytical things that you look at, but analytics don't always tell the story. And analytics kind of lead us to believe that it's going to be a team that ranks in the top ten in efficiency in both offense and defense. I think Duke, Michigan State, and Virginia are those teams right now. Where's Gonzaga in that? Uh, Gonzaga is first offensively by a wide margin. They're one of the best offenses we've ever seen, but their defense is a bit behind but their offense might be so good so i think if there is an outlier um this would be a season that could happen yeah i mean i could see the way oregon's been playing um them kind of making a run if they can if they can beat virginia tonight uh they're playing tonight correct they are playing tonight that's going to be a very slow game because both those teams love to play slow and i'd like oregon's chances a lot more if bull bull hadn't gone out in what december it seems like forever yeah Oh yeah, I mean if he's, I mean if you'd be 100 percent spot on with no Cinderellas if he's playing because they're probably a four or five seed, yeah, maybe a three because they were top 20 team coming into the, coming into the league. Um, yeah, I mean so it's it's been an interesting year and I think I think part of the reason why you don't have any true Cinderellas is because you really didn't get any true mid major parity at the selection day. Like you didn't get Lipscomb who's now in the NIT Final Four. You didn't get, um, I mean. I, 
I hate to say the AAC, but AAC isn't a power conference. You have, you're wearing your Houston shirt right now. Um, you know, there are 31 wins. There are three seeds, so they get disrespected there. Yep. Um, Wichita State's in the NIT in the Final Four, a young team there. You know, obviously UNCG, a team that I cover, uh, had 28 wins, and they don't they don't get in. And so you really didn't get the opportunity to see kind of from that first four, other than Belmont, uh, getting an opportunity to, to kind of be that Cinderella. Yeah, exactly. Um, I thought, obviously, UNCG could have, should have gone. I think I, I thought that were on Twitter, which devolved into something entirely different <laughs> for a whole day. Um, they should have been in. Lipscomb should have been in. Um, Lipson's proving that right now. Garrison Matthews is, if not an All-American basketball player, he's an All-American trash talker. Which he was great last night, wasn't really he? I appreciated that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's so many teams that could have done some damage in this tournament instead of a St. John's or somebody else that just shows up and puts up an uninspired effort that everyone in the world knew was coming because they've been under 500 against their league. Right. And, and, and I, th- I think the thing that bothered me the most about it was the um, two things. One... The selection committee's kind of insertion that St. John's got in as the last team over UNCG because they didn't have players. Well, UNCG didn't have their best defensive player for a big chunk of the season. That dropped their Ken Palm numbers, I think, dramatically because he's the best defensive player they have in terms of keeping people away from the rim. So the defensive, I think, defensive efficiency went from in the 60s to the 120s. So it feel like if you're going to kind of use that as a, as a reason, then you probably should have picked a better team in regard to record, strength of schedule, and the whole deal. I think we we were both at that first game that James Dickey sat out at Elon. Yes. And that's not a game that would have been close with, with James Dickey on the floor, because Elon got whatever they wanted at the rim, and it's strange how different rules apply to different teams in that scenario, where uh, Duke's losses without Zion were overlooked. Huge, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Obviously not saying James Dickey's Zion, but he has generally the same effect on his team in a defensive way. Right. Yeah, and I think I think when you when you have a nuanced take like you just did, the people on the freaky freakies on Twitter go, "Well, how could you? You know, how, how are you? How are you? You know, saying that James Dickey is like Zion? It's like, no, no, no. That's not what that's not what we're saying. He has the same effect internally for his own team from yeah. a defensive standpoint. Um, they're clearly different players. I think Zion is 79 pounds heavier than James. <laughs> Number which is one. insane to think of. Uh, I know, and, and I think James is actually three inches taller than, than Zion, which is the wildest thing ever. Um, so, yeah, so so just that that whole deal. The thing that bothered me the most is, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm from, I'm from the North. I didn't, I was not, you know, I didn't grow up on Carolina basketball or state or anybody. I have, I have no, no fandom down here for any of these teams. And I always picked, I always would feel like in the NCAA tournament when State would get in, I would always root for State because they're kind of like the little brother. I know they've won titles, but they've always kind of had that, and I have friends who have that kind of mentality. So when State started to chirp about how UNCG shouldn't be in and all this other stuff, I felt like they got kind of their just desserts last night against Lipscomb because Lipscomb kind of got I got a bunch of mentions about how it was comical that UNCG would be picked over NC State and couldn't even beat Lipscomb. So... Here we are. <laughs> yeah, that, that was something I tweeted out, and uh, I didn't get a whole lot of blowback. I think some of the smarter state fans responded in the right way when I said, hey, state fans, don't be mad at UNCG today. Be mad at the Ohio State who's going to get into a tournament at 7-11 in the Big Ten. And all right. these other teams that go under 500 in the league. I mean, state went 9-9 nine and nine in a tough ACC, so that should count for something, I think. Yeah, and I, I think I think if, you, if you're going to look at it from, you know, from just the ACC standpoint, they should be in. 
But if you're going to look at it from who they beat in the ACC, that's the issue. Yeah, that's the problem. And the problem is having the 353rd out of 353 non-conference schedule. And it's like looking at their non-conference schedule, was, it was impressively bad. Right. It, it seems impossible that you could schedule the first five games of your season against teams that rank below 320 in Canada. Like, you might just make an accident and play a good team. Right. And... And I will. And I'm going to be the. I'll be a devil's advocate here because a lot of these coaches they schedule you know years in advance and they're kind of putting things together on the fly because it is difficult to schedule. Um, but state can schedule pretty much whoever they want, so yeah. they don't really get the benefit of the doubt, in my opinion. It's been a while since Western Carolina was any good. Um, it's been a while since well, South Carolina Upstate's only been around for ten years, so you know that these teams aren't going to be the best. Yeah. Um, so I can't give Kevin Keats and his staff a pass there, um, <laughs> but I will tell you that they are honoring a home and home series with UNCG, and they are playing at the Coliseum next year. And that's going to be great. I, I would imagine that UNCG will have a little bit of an easier time getting folks back in there with the ACC tournament coming. I, uh, you know what? That's a really great point and I hope that's the case. I do know that they're playing Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse next year. Uh, they're playing State, so I think they are trying to beef up even if they get losses, some of these quad one wins because they really do and even though the Southern Conference is going to be great next year with uh, Wofford returning a lot of their players and ETSU and Furman still being good, UNCG's team next year is going to be a really fun team to watch. It's uh, going to be, yeah, Isaiah Miller the man. I mean, he was the man this year, but He's kind of undisputed the man next year. Yeah, and, and, and the, the kids from Southwest Guilford, the Langley Twins, are coming in. Those um, kids are built for this system. Yep, they're first team and second team All-State. Uh, and then you have Dorico Williams, who was described to me as a scout. And when you look at him, he is a young Dominique Wilkins. So, um, I've made this comment that Gate City next year will be Lob City. Because they are going to be throwing a lot of dunks down in the Greensboro Coliseum. It's going to be fun, yeah. I really, um, I watched the Langley Twins play in Peach Jam over the summer against, you know, some of the best players in the country. Uh, the kid that, um, Joe Girard, that committed to Syracuse as a point guard, um, they didn't back down. They shut him down in that oh, game. Yeah. They were, they talk trash, they go at it, they're, they're just dogs. So yeah. I think they're perfect for the system. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so talk to me a little bit about, um, Give me some fun stuff that you've dealt with on the road in terms of, could be anything, could be, you know, hijinks inside the arena to, you know, being, you know, a little bit away from it, kind of settling into, whether, where, where were you, were you Columbus? I was in Columbia last Oh, Columbia, weekend. that's right, South Carolina. Um, yeah, so it's a great trip. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought Columbia was just going to be, you know, your little three-bar college town. But it's great, and it's always fun to go on the road. March is kind of where you make your uh, you make your friends in the business. Yeah. So, like, I remember going through my first season. I didn't really know anybody. I was kind of reserved, and then we got to the ACC tournament. You spend all those hours together in, in arenas until 2 a.m., and it turns into pretty fun stuff, and hit the bars afterward. And you find out that some of your coworkers that seem pretty straight-laced aren't quite all that. <laughs> they, uh, they like to get after a little bit. That's funny. Can you share with any? Can you share any stories, or are they? Is it too incriminating? I don't. I don't think we. There was actually not too much craziness that happened in Columbia. We were pretty well behaved. It's a long way from the uh, the nights of the ACC tournament up in Brooklyn when there's a couple of seven a.m. subway rides. There's really nothing wrong with a late subway ride. I'm not gonna lie. There's not very many people on a subway. That's it's the best of, time to ride a subway. Yeah. Uh, whether you're going, yeah, anywhere. Um, I've had, a, I've had a few of those uh, living in New York a few like 10 years ago. It's crazy. Um, so, all right, let's talk about previews for these games. Uh, we got 
Let's go Gonzaga and Florida State. You're an ACC ACC writer, clearly, but I know you've watched plenty of basketball and you've seen Gonzaga play up close and personal this year. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Do you think Florida State's kind of a chic pick to, to take Gonzaga out? They are, and I was surprised when I saw the spread on that game earlier. I think it was one of the bigger spreads of – it's actually gotten bigger. It's up to That's seven and a half? It is the, indeed the biggest spread of all the games wow. in, the, in this round, which is kind of wild to me because I think they're, they match up pretty well. There's not a whole lot of teams that, that do match up with Gonzaga well, but Florida State has the athleticism and size, and then they go 11 deep, which is something that every team's going to have trouble with at this time of year. So, sure. Um, I mean, Gonzaga is obviously a favorite team that I pick, pick number one in my list be most likely to win it all for I don't think they're necessarily the best team exactly but I think they have the right path and kind of sets up well for them but um, yeah I think it's going to be a close game I, I think it's going to definitely be closer than eight points for sure yeah um, I got a great staff from that game for you and it's uh, from my buddy Mark Adams who's an ESPN analyst he coached at Central Connecticut State and Brandon Clark has 107 I believe or maybe off by a couple, couple of buckets here 107 field goals made he has more um, made field goals or more 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 blocks than missed field goals. In his, so it's 107 blocks, 88 missed field goals in the season. Yeah, I know that I know that he's the nation's leader in field goal percentage, but I did not know that stat. And so the last guy who did it was a guy who Mark Adams coached at Central Connecticut State, and he was seven foot three, Keith Kloss. Kloss the boss, man. Yeah, Kloss the boss. Who played, I, played for the Clippers? I tweeted about Keith Kloss once, and he replied to me because I was like, I forgot exactly. <laughs> Um, somebody was wearing like their Central Connecticut State pulled off an upset, and I was like, Keith Kloss is somewhere popping bottles, and he tweeted at me. He's like, I've been sober for ten years, dude. That's too funny. <laughs> yeah, you were like, like, sorry. Oh, well, congrats, man. Good work. <laughs> Keep it up. Uh, you should have. You should have been. You should have said, oh, you shouldn't have quit. No, I'm kidding. That's terrible. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean. That, that I remember Central Connecticut State it's like right my old stopping grounds growing up in Connecticut and when they made the NCAA tournament for the first time I think they were a 15 seed and they were playing and I remember um, Bill Raftery still the best this guy's name was um, Trice last name was Trice and, and he, he like hit like a, a bucket and foul and he was just like Trice is nice so I'll never forget that and it was like I think I think they ended up losing by 10 points but it was probably 99 2000? I, I, I think it was a freshman in college. I recall 99. seeing them around that time that, and finding out there was another team called the Blue Devils. So yes, yes. Exciting. Um, I saw Raftery. That was that is another. That's kind of where you draw the line and like being a professional and being a fan. As I saw Raftery walking out of the arena last yeah. week, and I wanted to be like, man, should I go up to him? I want to get sure. like, I want to get a selfie with him, just going onions on my Instagram. But, and I was like, ah, I gotta go. I don't want to like run up and interrupt him for just talking to some people. So it's kind of tough to draw that line between fan. I, I would never do that to a player, but absolutely do it to a commentator. You know, he's he's one of those guys too, Bill Raftery, that has grown from kind of that semi Dick Vitalish to being kind of the premier yeah. analyst that they have. And you know, he has some shtick that he does, and I think people, I think more people enjoy his kind of middle of the road shtick the man-to-man and, like, the different stuff that he does, um, the onions versus, like, I think I think Dick has kind of weared on people, if you will. Yeah. Um, and I know he loves everybody. I get it. Like, he's, he's a real positive dude and all that stuff. But I feel like his, his shtick kind of has gotten older. And I think I think the older you get, the more annoyed you get with Dick Vitale. <laughs> I, that is something I noticed, for sure. I was, I was a big fan of Dick when I was a kid, and he's obviously super positive and it's been great for the game, but... 
I, I definitely can understand where that wears on people because you, know, you watch a game, you want somebody to be intelligent, you want to see Hugh Brown or one of those guys that right. breaks stuff down for you. And Dick Vitale reminds me of when I was a kid um, watching Yankee games. And Phil Rizzuto would just kind of like look in the crowd and go, oh, look at that Huckleberry. And, and, that's what, and that's what Dick does. Like, Dick can break things down. Yeah. But then out of nowhere, he'll say, oh, did you see that game last night? He like loses his mind. He's, he's the epitome of kind of like attention deficit disorder. But in, and I don't mean that in a, like a negative way. It's just like he, he loses his attention of what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. And a lot of times, listen, I've literally been doing this for like a year and a half. So I'm, making, I'm literally making fun of a guy who's been doing it for how many years? <laughs> 40 or 50 years? But you know what I'm, you know what I'm getting at is right. that he, he has gotten to a point now where he's kind of a caricature of himself. Mm-hmm. And I, clearly when he's kind of buttoned up and it's a serious issue, he, he does well, in my, yeah. in my opinion. It's when he gets a little cray-cray, as the kids say, that, uh, <laughs> that I, I lose it a little bit. Yeah, well, after saying all that, I, I got to admit that I'm a Bill Walton guy, so, and Bill Walton is just pure insanity during games. Well, I, I don't know if you saw it. I was like, I tweeted out to, I forget who was out. It was, it was, a late, it was, the, it was the Washington-Oregon game where I was essentially seeing if UNCG was going to get in. If Washington wins, they're probably in the tournament, right? Yeah. And um, so they're losing, and it's like a 20-point game, and, or, and Bill's doing his thing. And I think I tweeted out, like, why am I watching this sober? <laughs> <laughs> because to me, it's like, he, he's one of those guys that, like, if you if, if it's if it's legal in your state and you have uh, access to marijuana, um, that's a great idea to to smoke while watching. Yeah, you'll absolutely connect with what he's saying. <laughs> I, I mean, it's good. I guess that he's doing just the late night Pac-12 games because he really cares. It's all right. it's no. all bad, and it's the most entertaining thing that's going to happen in one of those games is whatever story or tangent he gets off on and takes off his shirt or do you ever see the lady the behind the lady the picture of the lady behind him when he took his shirt off for the first time I did not she's jarred it's like you have to go back it's a it's a great gift she like looks at him like whoa I didn't I, I didn't sign up for this when I paid for this VIP ticket right here I, I love that stuff and uh, whenever it's on I just kind of keep a live running uh, tweet session of of what he's talking about or post videos and that is without a doubt like the most engaging content that I ever post is people just love that stuff right and but here's the thing. Bill Walton's never going to pretend to tell you that he's like a straight-laced analyst. Oh, no. He Whereas, like, Dickie V kind of totes that line of being Bill Walton-esque in his own weird way. So it's just, um, if that's, that's, but I, listen, I like Dickie V. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shitting on him. I just, did you, did you happen to hear his interview with um, the guys from uh, New Orleans radio or Baton Rouge radio about the LSU situation? Because he's been particularly hard on. He's hard on Will Wade. Well, just saying that, you know, these LSU fans have a blind spot and they need to, you know, listen to the tape. And they're like, well, no one's listened to the tape. It's all just, you know, <laughs> comments. And so he's been – and so they're they're essentially saying, you know, what about the other programs that have implica- been implicated in DeAndre Ayton, like Kansas, and text messages with Bill Self, like hopping me up a bit hard on them. So it's kind of – it was a – it was a you should check it out. It's like a 20-minute interview. Yeah. No, that's – I mean, that's exactly where we're at is kind of like everybody wanted, wants to wait fired immediately. Go back to, what is it, a year – a little more over a year ago that Sean Miller was considered a dead man walking because of everything that had been reported and it comes out that, hey, maybe it wasn't like that. Right. And and I'm not – you know, I'm not breaking any news here and I, I don't think you, you would um, – uh, you know, you definitely understand this, you know, covering the sport – Everybody that is involved knows that there's dirt on almost every program. Yeah, everybody. It's a, there's kind of 
you know, it's an agreement. If you don't, you, you don't snitch <clears> on them. That's why Bruce Pearl got blackballed for so long. He right. snitched when he was at Iowa. Well, I asked um, Steve Forbes from ETSU because he was on that Tennessee staff about his show clause for a year because of essentially covering for Bruce Pearl and how hard that was. And I mean, he was like, dude, this is one of the hardest, you know, moments of my life. And, you know, uh, having to sit out for a year and didn't think I was ever going to get back to Division One basketball. And so here's Bruce Pearl, another darling season. And, and no, this is, you know, Steve never says a bad word about Bruce, but at the same time, if, I have to say if I was in his shoes, I would feel really uncomfortable um, kind of that Bruce is still kind of the man, if you yeah. will. And no disrespect to East Tennessee State, it's a great program, great history. But you know, I hope I hope Steve Forbes gets a shot at um, you know a big time Division One job because yeah. a he's a great coach, but he's also essentially just kept his mouth shut on stuff that Bruce probably did, and you know, That's paid the price for it. Uh, assistants have to take the fall for this stuff. I've seen it everywhere around the country. Some people are ending up in handcuffs, and there's not a head coach doing it. Yeah, it's what's interesting to me is, is like, could you? I mean, I'm not saying from a moral standpoint. You know, everyone says no. Oh, I couldn't do that. Um, but could you be? I, I would not be the fall guy. I just, I just don't. I don't have that. I mean, I, I know the, you know, keep your mouth shut, don't rat on your friends from Goodfellas, and that's totally fair. But from the start of it, I just, I just would, I would just be like, no, that's not going to be me. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think. I mean, it's it's easy for us to say that right now when we don't have a bag of ten thousand dollars in front of us. But yeah, I mean, I would think that there are there are easier ways to cheat than delivering a bag of money. Like for for example, getting somebody's parents a high paying job at your school. Right, right. That's right. been the tradition, right? Right. And also having the, the shoe company do it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's. It's an interesting thing, although, yeah, if you put $10,000 in cash in front of me, I made pocket a thousand and said, well, listen, we got you nine. Yeah, yeah. You, you come to school. The longer I spend in journalism, that number keeps going down, too. So I'm like, I'd do a most anything for like 500 bucks now. Yeah, so no, that's totally hit, fair. Hit me up on Twitter if you got an offer. You should do the, um, what's that What's that new company that, like, well, you can, like, have a celebrity, like, wish you happy birthday? You should do cameos. I should. You should send that out to all your Twitter followers, and I think that would... You, you would, like, 50 cents. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I'll do it for a dollar, dollar each. And you, that would be great. Like, we should, you should, all the journalists that you know should do that. And, like, for all the teams that you guys either love, like, because people always think that you shit on one team in particular, right? Uh-huh. Uh, who's, who's, who do you get? Who do you usually get? Is it, are you, do you hate on Duke more? I saw that email that the, I, the guy sent you. I got emails 18 minutes apart where one accused me of not covering Duke and off from them. 18 minutes later, I got an email saying we covered Duke too much. That was my favorite that I've yeah. gotten yet. But I've been accused pretty, it's pretty standard that I've been accused of loving and hating every team that we cover. I think that's probably the more you do it, it's probably the, you know, or the longer you're in it, it's probably going to be even across the board. Yeah, and that's a, that's kind of a badge of honor. If everybody thinks that you hate a certain team and love a certain team, then uh, I guess we're doing it right. <laughs> it's true. No, it's true. Um, no, I just, I, I've, I've actually had that conversation with Jeff Mills after the Southern Conference tournament. Uh, one of your um, colleagues at the at the News and Record, um, great writer, uh, really cool dude to kind of spend a season with uh, UNCG with, um, and we just had that conversation about how people essentially just almost they, not majority, but some of the the minority people read what you guys write, 
kind of rattles around their brain. They're like, oh, he hates my team. Yep. I, I read a story. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't even the story that I read on Sunday where I was talking about UCF's defensive game plan against Duke. I just, it was just straight off the kind of breaking down what happened. Right. Somebody's like, well, did Duke win or not? It's not a beauty contest. I saw that. And I'm like, what? It's like, I... I don't know what you're getting at. I mean, it was pretty clear that UCF had a great defensive game plan, and right. it really worked. And and to me, I'm I'm and I'm 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 hopefully learning from you a little bit. I'm trying to be less responsive to to the hate to the haters, but at the same time, it's uh sometimes it's too it's too much fun. Like some people oh, I, think I, I actually get like I'm upset about it. Like I'm actually like when I'm tweeting at you, if you're saying something asinine to me that. I'm like in I'm like in pajamas, like you know, stomping around the house, like you know, dictating, you know, getting pissed off, you know, kicking my dog. Like that's just that's just not. No, I, I love it. I, I like mixing it up with the people. For you know, Twitter's ninety percent fun just to talk with people that have right. the same interests. And there's a lot of really smart people on Twitter, and about ten percent is just complete idiots that want to say something insane to you, like. The one thing that has pissed me off this year, like legitimately pissed me off, is there have been a group of people on Twitter that have time and again accused us of like covering up for Zion Williamson and shit like that. And I'm just like, what are you covering up? <laughs> that he. Um, what are you covering up, Brent? That he has a that his parents are living in a house that someone has bought them in uh, like in a nice neighborhood. In sure. So, full disclosure, I went to where this house supposedly is. And looked, and there was no one living in this, the house that this supposedly was. And so I traced back just kind of where this all came from. They started on a Carolina message board where somebody said, hey, Zion Williamson's parents moved into this neighborhood. Yeah. Somebody should check it out. And no one's given, like, an address, aside from the one I kind of figured out what they were talking about. No one's given an address. Nobody's given particulars, anything. It's just straight up hearsay. And time and again, people bring this up on Twitter, and they're like, you give Duke a pass. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just waiting for one of you to, like, if someone sends me a picture of the house, I mean, and I'll say, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to go I'm and demand a out. copy of the lease? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, random people. <laughs> cool. Okay. Let's, let's, let's put everything, uh, put, I'm going to put all the cards on the table in this regard. That's first, number one, that's ridiculous. Number two, what do you get out of it if you're covering up for them? You already, I mean, new, and, and my question is, and I don't mean to cut you off, is like the news and records are a reputable paper. Yeah. You're going to get media access unless you do something so egregious yeah. that they're essentially going to ban your media credential, right? It's not yeah. going to get taken from you. So you have every right to ask any question that you want, regardless of the content, as long as it's not inappropriate, correct? Yeah. So if you found this out to be the case, and there was a paper trail of evidence that led to what could be considered an NCAA violation. Wouldn't you ask? Yeah, that's the question. Is what do you? There's no way to prove this. Right. Zero. Yeah. You'd be you'd be the Ed O'Neill in the blue chips, uh, <laughs> asking asking Coach Pete Bell about, about just Shaq. Imagine going up to somebody's door and asking them like, "Hey, I'm a reporter of a newspaper. Can I see your rent, your lease agreement?" Yeah. Get the hell off my porch. <laughs> well, and, and this is the problem I have with all of this, which is, who cares? He's going to be here for, what, six, three, two more months, if at, that? At most, yeah. And whether they win a national title to me is irrelevant because what bothers me about the whole system is if I had a lot of money and I was a Duke alum and 
it was allowed and I wanted to put up Cy Williamson's parents, why can't I? What, 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 what is it about the rules that essentially tells me that he's no longer an amateur because I'm paying for his parents to live close to him? Yeah. That's, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. The other thing that I, I get to in that is Zion, or not Zion, Grayson Allen's parents were behind the bench for every game. They're from Jacksonville. Luke Kennard's parents were behind the bench for every game. They're from Ohio. Right. This season, I think Alex O'Connell's family moved to the area. Nobody brings that up for some reason. Why? I think people are making a certain assumption about Zion Williamson's parents and the money that they do or don't make and the jobs they do or don't have. Sure. And there's a certain relation there, I see. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll let you guys decide what that is. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, no, I, th- I, th- I think there's some of that, but I also feel like they're just, just from a strictly ridiculous standpoint. Um, Carolina fans being upset with that is the pot calling the kettle black, and it, 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 there's no pun intended there either. But it just it bothers me because, like, like we talked about earlier in the, in the show, is that every every program, no matter how small or how big, in particular big, has, has dirt on it. And to pretend like it doesn't is disingenuous. Yeah, everybody's done something. Everyone. And maybe the head coach doesn't know about it in some cases. Maybe it's just some low-level staffer that's trying to make a name for themselves. But there's, there is dirt to be uncovered on every team out there. But the other thing is, is who gives a shit? Yeah, I mean, like, and I, I actually... I'm not. I mean, I'm not a. I don't dislike him. But Pat Forty actually wrote an article about this, about the ratings being up and there being a lot of clouded. I don't. I don't see it this way. But he made a point about how it's there's a cloud over this tournament in terms of like Will Wade and um, you know Zion's you know eligibility, like all this different stuff. And you know the ratings are up because of it. And you know and I, I just feel like you know, like if if kids could get paid, it wouldn't matter because a people still want to fill out their March Madness bracket. They still want to bet on games. It's a huge business. Like, what are we? I just, I just have this. It's, it's this denying of what's happening that kind of bothers me. And it's like there's, there's nothing that the viewing public would be turned off from, other than you know kids running amok on campus, like causing like damage and like you know physical violence, that kind of stuff. If it's simply them getting money for their services, whether they can do it from their likeness or from a booster. No one's going to care. Yeah. I Not think one they, bit. They've proven time and again through, um, there was a study about that. Generally, the overwhelming thought was that college athletes getting money off their likeness or whatever would not taint amateurism, which is just a bullshit idea to think. But that whole, the premise of that column is ridiculous because it's talking about the ethics of whatever when you're completely ignoring the ethics of not paying student athletes for their part in a nine... 90, I think it's going to be $90 billion-ish yeah. in, in revenue for the CD and NCAA this year. So, when is, who considers that on ethical? It's a pretty decent chunk of change. Yeah. Um, so, we're, we're, what, what becomes ethical? Who decides what's ethical? And generally, it's only considered that way because we've always thought of it that way. Right. It's been driven into our brain by the PR machine. Amateurism is this beautiful, awesome thing that should be celebrated. The kids are just playing for the love of the game, which... I mean, some of them are, but sure. you're not playing for the love of the game. You're playing because you get to win a national championship. 
play because it creates a new life for you and maybe not only you, but it changes the situation for your whole family if you get a scholarship and get college education. Yeah, and I also feel like too, like the crazy thing for me is, is that you know, I played college tennis and I played a year of college football at the, at the FCS level and the tennis aspect was you got this you got like a pretty decent opportunity to like coach at some of the local racket clubs so like no one cared if we took if we got money from people there because we were tennis players um but also part of it was you probably could get a job like it, the amateurism that i feel like we're missing out on like every of these like olympic sports if you will if you're a golfer if you're uh you know, tennis player, whatever, um, you could you could actually parlay your athletic scholarship into your likeness being at a club, being mm-hmm. at a driving range, whatever it ends up being, um, and make some extra money yourself. Like so, there's there's nothing stopping. And we look at it basketball from this level. I've said this from the start. Francis Alonso's build, name is all over billboards all over Greensboro when they were trying to kind of beef up the the Coliseum in, in, in attendance. He doesn't make any money off of that. James Dickey, the same thing. But if he was allowed to, he could. I, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. There, that a Greensboro business wouldn't pay for his name to be on something. People and, want to be associated with winners. They want to have to be associated with greatness. And the same reason that people buy specific advertising for our section that puts their advertising next to our Duke in Carolina and UNCG coverage. Sure. Yeah, um, I just think it's silly. But um, but anyway, we digress. Um, so let me get you. Let me get you some predictions from tonight's games and tomorrow's games uh, going forward. So who you got? Um, once you pull up the slate for me, since we're recording on my phone and I can't do it. Um, there you go. All right. So Florida State Gonzaga. Who you got tonight and why? I'm taking Gonzaga close just because of Brandon Clark. Um, really, Hachimura is kind of the, the big attraction there, but. Brandon Clark's the reason that they are where they are. I like Josh Perkins as a senior point guard, so take Gonzaga close there. You know what? I'm, I'm going to go against you on this one, and the only reason why is because I think it happened last year, and I think Florida State is a little bit better, and I think Gonzaga's a little bit better, obviously, a little bit this year. Um, but the one thing I think Gonzaga struggles with is kind of that big athletic uh, front court, and that's exactly what Florida State has. That is who they are. And you could be 100% right and Gonzaga could win by 20 <laughs> points. But I just feel like, you know, you could. I think I think, um, I think they win that game. And, yeah, and I'm, and I'm considered awesome. an ACC hater, too. So um, so I'm, I'm going Florida State there. Um, betting against the only mid-major left. What a dick. Um, all right, so Purdue, Tennessee, who you got? Um, I like Purdue. Um, they've just been really on a tear for the past Jeez, I guess it's I can't call it a streak because it's been like two months. They've just yeah. been one of the it's best teams solid. in the country for the past few months, and uh, they've got the guy who most resembles a, a Kemba Walker that we've had lately, Carson Edwards, who's just playing incredible. Kemba reference, I love it. Um, he's been really good. So if you, if you got a guy that can put a team on his back, and uh, Tennessee is really balanced, but I just I like Purdue because they're hot and they got the, the best guy out there right now. See, that's where I'm going to agree with you, and it's purely because I watched the end of Tennessee's game last time against, uh, last week against, um, who the hell did they just play? Oh my god, just blanked out. They were up 25 points. Who, who? They must have seen play. Yeah, Iowa. Yes. So they played Iowa, another Big Ten school. That's why I was, that's where I was getting at. I apologize. So they're playing Iowa, and they're up 49 to 24. Yeah, they were into huge. I stopped paying attention to it, and then saw, like, I guess there's two minutes left and it was tied. Yeah. Well, so to me, if you if you have that little, and I know that's a connected team and they've been together forever, um, 
that's a that's a, that's a Rick Barnes special. And I know his resume is a little better than people give him credit for, but I'm, I'm going to go Purdue there. That's a split too because Vegas likes Tennessee and the, the 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 basketball power index likes Purdue. Yeah, Ken Palm loves Purdue there too. So, all right, uh, Texas Tech, Michigan, the 9:39 start. Jeez, that's going to be an absolute grinder. Um, two of the, uh, I mean, they're the number one and two defensive teams left in the tournament, well, in the nation, mm-hmm. but in the tournament. Um, and that's a really tough call because. Early on in the season, I thought Michigan was the best team in the country. Yeah, I agree. About December, um, but I really like Texas Tech. Chris Beard's done an awesome job there. He's done an awesome job everywhere he's been. So I'm going to take Michigan really close. Okay. Um, I want to I want to pick Texas Tech, but I feel like John Beeline's um, attention to detail and his ability to kind of make every possession matter yeah. um, is the difference in this game because like you said it's going to be a grinder they're a one and a half point favorite so it's similar to the Tennessee game I feel like you could go either you could go either way with either of those two teams either of the last two games and he's had but, a um, ton of time to prepare so. yeah I'll, 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 I'm going to go with you on Michigan there so the nightcap where everyone will be sleepy uh, probably start around 10.30 considering how some of these games have gone um, Oregon, Virginia uh, really sleepy for that one, probably. So two, two of those By about 10 minutes in, you'd be super slowest sleepy. Slowest-paced teams in the country. Um, <laughs> Virginia's just better. Oregon's had a good run. Lewis King's played really well, but um, Virginia's just better. Let me ask you real quick to digress, because you mentioned Lewis King. What did you think of um, the uh, coach from... What's, what team was that? Irvine. Was it South? Yes. Yeah. Calling him Queen. It was just dumb sports shit. I know. I saw some column that was talking about how he had... Russell Turner had like dishonored his family and his school and all this other stuff, and it's like I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it gets to that level, but I think um, it's an interesting. It's an interesting kind of case study in like old school coach wants to try to still be relevant with like the kids, but I bet you the kids were probably like, "Why would you put him with me?" Yeah, it's stupid. It's just dumb sports. Yeah, it's dumb old guy shit. Yeah, I assume the players were like, what is this guy talking about? This is stupid. <laughs> um, which is, which sucks, because I think Russell Turner is obviously a great coach. And yeah. I think he was a guy that Wake Forest should probably look at when, if, if and when that job comes open. I thought it was going to be uh, a couple weeks ago, but it's on the list. Jenny Manning's going to get another shot at it. So. Um, yeah, so um, I think we're both in agreement that Virginia is going to win that game, correct? Yes, Virginia. That could be like a... 20 point 64 to 44 win don't you think doesn't it feel that way yeah it absolutely feels that way because Oregon's offense is not particularly good and I, I would imagine that there's a good chance that they are held up the back in so before we before we get off um, what um, let me ask you a question about the next slate of games right so um, you obviously have North Carolina and Duke uh, but I think the to me, the best game on slate is LSU Michigan State. What yeah. do you think about that? I do believe that is going to be the case. Um, LSU's got size, athleticism. They got a great point guard. Nas Reed's played really well in the tournament. He's you know he's going to be the biggest guy on the floor, which I guess is kind of a rarity against Michigan State. They usually get those those bruisers down there. But um, yeah, it, it's interesting to see whether. The Will Wade thing is kind of bonding that team, or whether it's going to fracture them in this situation. Because, uh, Michigan State's they obviously got one of the best players in the country in Cassius Winston. So you're so you're a big time writer, and I need to ask you this question: 
if you ever get the chance to talk to John Rothstein, ask him why he stopped calling Lil Wayne American Gangster. Why is that? Oh, I love to pick on John. He's um, he hasn't blocked me yet, which I'm very proud of. Um, some, I only, how, how many people blocked you during March Madness before we moved forward? Like, did you get any? Did you get any people that like just like when you were essentially talking about one team or the other who deserves to get in? Did you get any block uh, action? I had one person on Twitter blocked, but I recently unblocked them, so I could start dunking on them again. Yeah. Um, just because I enjoy their bad tweets that much. Yeah. Um, but no one blocked me. I don't think. But Rothstein is one of my favorite Twitterers because I mean he plays the hits. Yeah, he's cool. very um, he, he's very repetitive, and uh, and the buy game stuff really pisses me off. The epitome of brutality. Uh, yeah, the, the buy game, especially when it turns out that it wasn't a buy game. Or when it turns out that that team was a million times better, it just happened to be a body. Like next year, if if UNCG were to beat State in Greensboro, he'll immediately say it was a buy game. Well, that's just to me, and this is where I get on him. It's like you know, if I could be doing this for a year and a half and do more research than you, then I should probably get a little chunk of what you're making, right? Um, he gets paid sense. a pretty, you know, he gets paid a king's ransom to do what he does. He should, he should be on, he should be more on point, is, is my opinion. Um, but, um, all right, so moving forward, Auburn, North Carolina. Um, lots of fun. Lots of fun. Similar Lipscomb NC State game last night? Yeah. A lot of up and down. Buckets. Um, I was looking, I was just doing my research today, and Auburn has attempted, um, I think it's 1,133 pointers this year. Yeah. Carolina's got a school record at 820. So. Wow. Um, Auburn likes to put it up. Bryce Brown puts it up at every chance it touches his hands, basically. He'll, he's attempting something over eight three-pointers a game. Um, it's going to be a lot higher than that. They, they like to shoot threes in transition, but um, they like to pressure. And, and, you know, running with Carolina just doesn't seem like a good idea for me. I think they're going to lose by 20. And that's been because Bruce Pearl can't kind of go back. Like, this is... I think one of the reasons why upsets happens is when a team plays similar like a Virginia, when they can kind of limit shots, when they can keep teams close where a 10-point game can suddenly be four. As hot as Auburn can be, if you try to run with Carolina, you're going to lose. Don't try to play Carolina at their own game. Exactly. They're the best at it. And it's the fastest team Roy Williams has ever had, which is crazy. pretty impressive to say. All right, so we're uh, we didn't get a okay. So who do you think we didn't? I didn't get your pick on LSU, Michigan State. You going Michigan State or LSU? Yeah, I'm going Michigan State just because they've been there. Tom Izzo has been there. This is what his team does. They understand this time of year. Yeah, LSU is kind of a new territory, despite how how steady Tremont Waters is. I, from a tam from a tam excuse me from a talent standpoint, LSU's better. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think you could go either way because if LSU was to play, you know, crazy great. You know, Nas has 30, Tremont Waters has 30, Javante Smart comes off the bench with 20. Um, they're going to win the game. But um, I think Michigan State is going to have something to say about it. And I, th- I think I think you're probably right. I think Michigan State wins a closer game. And then the last one, um, we got Duke, well, not the last one, Duke, Virginia Tech. Um, to me, this is a really interesting game because Virginia Tech doesn't have a rim protector like Taco Fall. But they can... They're a better scoring team than UCF. So what do you think happens here? And Duke's had some issues with Virginia Tech in the past couple of years. Yeah, they have. Uh, so the interesting thing about Virginia Tech, and I went back and looked this morning, was uh, 
obviously they're an entirely different team than they were at one point during the year. So that's an interesting evolution to see as they were ranked 50th in defensive efficiency on February 1st, and okay. now they're in the top 15, which it's kind of crazy. And they've also changed their tempo. They did that when Justin Robinson went out. They've kind of gone from this running and gunning, well, I guess they weren't running and gunning, but they were a little faster. They were just a pure offensive team, and they wanted to outscore you, and then Justin Robinson went out. They decided, hey, we're going to slow this down, and we're going to get in the grinder, and we're going to be a Buzz Williams kind of tough team. Um, but there's not really much you can take from their first meeting because they didn't have Robinson and Duke didn't have Zion. We say to say that Zion's kind of a bigger impact either. Right. But um, Kerry Blackshear is going to play hard. I don't know if that's going to be good enough. But I think it'll it'll be a pretty good game, and I think Duke probably wins by five to ten points. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I don't think I have any. You wrote about it, and you can check that out at greensport.com. It's a great article. Um, you know, just about Duke and, and kind of the, the upcoming um, games coming forward. Uh, but yeah, so I don't, I don't have anything to add to that. I think, I think Duke wins the game. I think Virginia Tech will make it close, and I think Duke will pull away late. Uh, they may cover at seven and a half if you're into that type of thing. Um, actually, you know what? If I was, if I was a betting man, I may, I may go Duke seven minus seven and a half, or if it drops to seven, we'll see. Yeah, I think um, Duke also got a lot from last weekend. Yeah, and I also feel like they, they probably feel like. They were so close to being out, like, you know. You're saying that all it takes is one bad game, and it wasn't even a bad game. Just, just, just one game where you don't pay attention for one s- split second. Yeah. That tip and layup, you know, drops. And I've watched that several times now. And Duke was completely flat footed. No one, no one boxed out Aubrey Roberts. Right. Which is insane to think about in that moment. It's crazy. All right. So last game of the night might be one of the more entertaining ones too. Is just Houston and Kentucky. Um, Surprise at the over. The over is 134. Wow. That's the lowest of any of any of these games on Friday. Um, you think Kentucky can score a little bit. That's interesting to me. I know yeah. they play good defense too, but the tempo their tempo is a little is surprisingly slow between those two teams, but my guess is that it's gonna go over that that mark for sure. Jeez, yeah. Well, we just gave you the, the sharpest bet you could possibly have right there at 134 and a half. Lead Houston, Kentucky. Block. That's a lead pipe block, exactly. Um, who wins that game and why? Um, Kentucky wins because P.J. Washington's back. That's If he's not back or not effectively back, um, then I think Houston's Houston wins. And Kentucky's not particularly great at guarding a three-point line. Corey Davis could be in for a big one because he will uh, absolutely put it up from out there. He's not quite a price ground, but he'll put it up. Does Houston have, because I don't know a lot about Houston, does Houston have multiple, like, plus three-point shooters? Um, Corey Davis is, is the guy, but overall they're a pretty good three-point shooting as, as a team. But Corey Davis is one of the best in the country. Because so. I think that's the issue with Kentucky is, like, when they've lost to LSU and they've, when they've had some trouble against some other teams, like when Duke obviously killed them early. Um, you know, Duke played the best game of the year that, that game, but they also shot the ball really well from deep. And Kentucky has Ashton Hagens, and when Ashton Hagens can key on one player, yeah. they typically shut down that team from an offensive standpoint. But if that team, somewhere like what Wofford, you know, they obviously missed a bunch of threes, but you know they took away Fletcher, but Nathan Hoover was five of six from three. So if they, that's what kept them in the game. Um, so I'm curious to see if, if, if Houston, as like an overall good three point shooting team, can kind of overcome that you know one on one matchup. We'll see. It's a three point spread. I think I. I Fully expect it to be a close game, but I'm going to go Kentucky as well. And um, it's going to be a chalky, chalky, uh, you know, Elite Eight and Final yeah. Four, in my opinion. I guess 
that's kind of the, the upside and the downside of all this is, you know, we get the lower seeds out of it, but we get these games that are, at least on paper, so evenly matched at this point, and you're not going to run into a situation where one team's going to roll into the Final Four and just get demolished by somebody. Yeah, and um, I, I just, I also feel like, too, it's, it's one of those things where I hope that in the future, um, you know, being a mid-major guy and covering, you know, the, the, the smaller schools that they get more opportunities to make runs. Um, but I also feel like when you look at, if you go back to the actual seeding of people, um, you know, if Wofford's in a different conference, they're really not a seven seed. They're probably more like a five or a four mm-hmm. uh, based on their ranking, based on their RPI, their net, the whole deal. Um, and Wofford probably is still playing if they don't get the matchup that they got. Correct. And so I think... A lot of times, people look at this and they go, "Well, see, you know, you had your shot, and you, and, you, and you fucked up, and you're, you know, you're no longer, you know, playing, you're playing the NIT or whatever the case is." But the shots are usually rigged. It's kind of like I'll give you an example. It's kind of like being um, uh, under Don King's promotions. It's like, well, you're going to get a shot at the title, but we're going to take all your money. So that's uh, we see it time and again. Like uh, remember that. So Wichita State when they were a one seed yeah. and undefeated. And Remember they, it really well. They run into that Kentucky team that had played below its talent all year <clears throat> and decided to figure things out in March. Sure. And that shouldn't have been a second round game. Yeah, they lost to um, my UConn team in the finals that year. Yeah. It's a pretty good team. They shouldn't have been an eight or a nine or whatever they, they were. They were an eight. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's um, Steve Forbes will remind me about that all the time. He was on that Wichita State staff um, and talked about how, um, you know, crazy that game was you know they were undefeated at 35 and 0 going into that game and to lose it in the second round was just i mean because wichita state had three nba players on that team right here yeah they were they're they're not in the traditional sense of a mid-major wichita state is not that <laughs> no they're and they're also doing what mid-major programs typically need to do they made a final four they had this incredible run of uh of greatness being 35 and 0 in their league and a perennial ncaa tournament team even though they're obviously not in it this year but even in even in the absence of the ncaa tournament they're in the final four of the nit yep so what they're what what wichita state has created for themselves they've created a name brand that is uh greg you know uh, greg marshall's obviously done the same thing and now they're in the aac which is just a step below that kind of power five if you will or bcs school the power seven as some of the new majors call them um so, and it's, it's all to help seeding. Like, Houston is a three seed. They probably should be more. But if they were in Conference USA, Houston, they're probably like a six. Yep. So, that could be the reason why they're in the Sweet 16 right now. That's why UNCW needs to come to the second. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm for, listen, um, if I had my druthers, and this is no disrespect to the, to the military academies, but if the Citadel and the BMI were somehow to no longer be needed of their services in the Southern Conference and you added a UNCW or you added a, uh, a Belmont or Charleston you added a Lipstock. Maybe. You know? I doubt they do that, I guess. I guess there's a reason they left. But right. It, it feels like SoCon is a, a really good fit for UNCW and what they want to accomplish. So I'd love to see that. Yeah. And um, so we'll see what happens from there. But um, So remind everybody where they can find your stuff and we'll uh, tell everybody goodbye with a fun story at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Greensboro.com uh, or ACC Extra, just the letter XTRA.com. And you can find me on Twitter at BrantGNR. Well, I am happy to spar with you verbally or agree with your takes. Awesome. Um, all right, so I want to get – I talked about road, but give me – it doesn't have to be this year. Give me the funniest 
uh, road story you have that is, and this is, you know, I don't have a, there's no, this isn't, this is an explicit podcast, but you can be as graphic or explicit as you, as you feel free to. Oh, man. I'm trying to, let's think of a good Um, all right. So we'll go with, uh, it was a story that has happened in the past at a certain ACC tournament in a certain city that has a subway. So, um, you know, there's, they stayed open until four after uh, the bar stayed open until four. So we decided we're going to the bars and, you know, there's some free booze flowing because the league takes care of us. Really? After, um, after we, in the arena for 12 straight hours, so. We hurry out of the arena after another Duke Carolina game. I think we get into the bar at like 2 a.m. maybe. But, uh, it becomes, you know, you got to drink, you got to drink your money's worth in a couple of hours. Couple hours, yeah. Um, buddy, who is also on the road, matches with a young lady on Tinder. Ah. Um, she says that she is out for a divorce party. Oof. She and and her homegirls are at the divorce party. You know, they're just looking to make friends. Sure. I have a girlfriend at this point, so I'm like, yeah, man, whatever. I'll just, I'll be your wingman. I'll go uh, have a chat. I'll go talk up some friends, whatever. Next thing I know, we end up in this chick's living room at like 5 a.m. <laughs> I'm sitting there like holding court about philosophy and religion and all kinds of other shit. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just talking. I'm just, yeah. you know, being the wingman. And I don't know why or how, but I'm sitting at the kitchen table, just sipping a beer at some point, about 6 a.m., and the young lady whose house it is leans over the, the table to grab something. And I don't know why I did this, but I decided to just pet her on the head like oh a dog. Oh, my God. She's like, why did you do that? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. It looks like you had nice hair. I, I don't, I mean, I obviously, I know I do that. I've been drinking for several hours at 6 a.m., and she had nice hair, so... They were a little pet. She was very offended by that. Um, I decided it was time for me to go. Um, but, you know, overall, I think it was a successful night. Since you told a New York story, I have to tell a New York story, too. Um, this has nothing to do with journalism. This is just guys being silly. And I was living in Queens at the time, off of Queens Boulevard. is a place called the Irish Cottage. And a buddy of mine was living in New Haven, Connecticut, which is like an hour and a half drive. And he calls me and my two friends, Pat and Ryan, who are uh, twins of the twins that I played tennis with in college at the time. And at this time, I think we were four or five years removed from college, so this is by mid two thousands. And um, we were out with a couple other buddies, and we had met this uh, group of women. But there's just one girl who particularly liked my friend. His name is different Pat, but another guy in our group. And she was a medical student at St. John's. And so, um, you know, she's talking about how she wants to get into brain surgery and all this stuff and stuff. Really interesting gal. And so it's like end of the night type stuff. Now my friend Nick had called us and said, hey, I'm going to drive down to see you guys because I have something like medically wrong with me and the regions that are an issue for men in a genitalia area. And we were like, uh, dude, no one wants to see that. And he was like, no, I'm freaking out. Like, I, I need to show somebody. Like, you guys need to give me your, like, opinion. Like, check out the doctors. Like, whatever. He's like, it's really red. And I was just like, dude, fuck, we have no idea. <laughs> so he comes barreling in from New Haven, Connecticut. It's probably like 2.30 in the morning. We're getting ready to leave the bar. And uh, he's like, look, he's like, I'm, I, I need to go give me your keys to the apartment I'll just I'll leave the door open when you guys come back so he, he runs ahead of the apartment I don't know if he's taking a shower or whatever so we come back with this girl this is how weird the times are this girl walked home with five dudes 
random. Should have never met her in her whole life. Now we're good guys, but at the same time, that, those odds aren't great. Not for a great idea. In, in, ever. In, ever. So <clears throat> she comes up, and I guess Nick was in the back room. We completely forgot he was there because everyone was drunk, and um, he uh, he's still back there. And she starts talking about her, you know, rounding and medical experience and other stuff. So I guess he hears this. And he comes bombing down the hallway completely naked and says, hey, can you take a look at this? It was like something from a, like a fucked up Seinfeld episode. <laughs> so needless to say, she went, um, and she got up and walked away and all of this just started bawling, laughing. And to this day, his nickname is Red Helmet. <laughs> and that's exactly what it should be. It's, um, everybody, if there's one piece of advice that I have, it's a... Uh, so last time you went CW, two times ago when you went CW made the tournament. Got in a car with my buddies in Wilson, North Carolina at 7 p.m. Drove straight through the night of Providence. Got there at 8 a.m. Drank a couple of vodka drinks in the shower. Went to the game. We lost to Duke. We were all pissed off because right. Duke got all the calls. Of course they did. As they did. But just regarding the fact that UNCW led the nation in fouls for 40 minutes. You know, <laughs> it was our own fault. But we were pissed off. And we were drunk. You know, you know how it goes. Yeah. There's no sense in reasoning with us. But um, we decided that we were going to take the chance that since we weren't going to stay in the tournament, we were just going to use the, uh, the week to travel. And we went to New York for a night and um, had the most fun you could possibly have in less than 24 hours in New York. There were 11 different Irish bars that we managed to hit nice. in our, uh, about eight to nine hours there. And I um, was going to finally meet up with a lady that I had been chatting up for a while. And went back to my hotel and ironed my shirt to catch an Uber over to her place to go finish the night drinking with her. And I woke up in my shirt at 7 a.m. in the hotel. That's didn't, another good Didn't story. quite make it out. Have you ever switched shirts with a lady in the Yankee Stadium Delta Suites? I've not. Unfortunately. I know that I did that. I don't remember what happened after that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's that's a story for another time. Um, but yeah, so listen, man, I really appreciate you doing this. Um, it's uh, it's good to talk to you. You know, we've had a lot of interactions on Twitter, kind of seen each other out, but it's good to kind of sit down and chat and talk about basketball Indeed. and other random uh, tomfoolery. Great um, to actually uh, not do it in the uh, confines of a corporate podcast or picture. Yeah, um, yeah, that's I, I love doing this. Like, I have sponsors, but they're super cool, like Title Boxing Club and Core Life Eerie. There, there are no restrictions. There are no, uh, hey, man, uh, you should probably stay away from using different uh, words and, and comments. Uh, they're, they're, they're pretty cool because they're real-life companies owned by, you know, uh, mom-and-pop places. So that's Sweet. good stuff. Well, in that case, but. Yeah. Yeah, you said a bad word. I'm very proud of you. I'm going to try to do better next time. Yeah, I mean, you should. Well, listen, I appreciate you, man, and uh, we'll definitely do this again sometime soon. Awesome, dude. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's fun.